book of Mark, chapter number 7, chapter number 7 of Mark. It's good to see you. Now, I saw while you're finding your place, Mark chapter 7, we'll be looking at the last verse if you want to go to the end of Mark 7. I saw uh, on the news this morning where there was another wrong way driver. I'm serious, and, and I'm seeing this a lot on scanner food and on the news. Wrong way drivers on the interstate. And uh, we had a couple of guys from our community back in the 50s to go to Detroit and get a job, and neither one of them, uh, Shab and Bull Moose, went up there, and neither one of them had seen in the 50s a four-lane highway. They didn't know anything about interstates and they got to go on the wrong way on the interstate and everybody was blowing and waving and flashing their lights and bull moose looked over at shab and said huh shab everybody up here knows you <laughs> mark chapter seven the bible says in the last verse verse number 37 and hold your place here because we're going to read the whole thing in just a moment the bible says and were this was the people they were beyond measure astonished, saying, He, talking about Jesus, hath done all things well. <laughs> I could stop reading right there and tell you that God has done all things well. That Christ has done all things well. Let's read it again. And we're beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Father, I pray you'd take your word and feed us now from your precious word. Lord, we've met so many people of late who are hungry for the word of God. They're tired of show. They're tired of religion. They're tired of music. They're tired of so many things, and they're desirous to be fed of the word of God. Feed us now from your precious word, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the last thing spoken in the chapter of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says here that he hath done all things well. It was an observation of his ministry. An observation. I wonder if someone made an observation of me or an observation of you, could they put check marks by your name and my name that says, you know what? He may make mistakes, but he tries to do all things well. She's not perfect, but she tries to do all things well. If we just read the last verse in this chapter, it is very misleading to think that Jesus here is just riding off into the sunset like a movie script going, well, he's done all things well. Everything was just perfect and everything was done well and he's got his white cowboy hat on and riding his white horse off into the sunset like a movie script and he just comes out a winner. Well, if you read the whole chapter, you'll find out that is not just the case. Because there are times here in this chapter when the Lord Jesus was scorned, he was criticized, they had no good words for him, he was scrutinized, persecuted, uh, and it's not just all roses. But I'm going to tell you something, in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how hard the circumstances were, no matter how evil the events were, the Lord Jesus Christ did right. In every evil event, in every persecution, he did things to absolute perfection. He did things well in the midst of suffering, conflict, and hardships. Now let me say this to us. There's going to be times in all of our lives when it's hard to do right. Somebody say amen. 
There's going to be times in all of our lives when we're going to suffer for doing right. When we're going to face persecution, but let me tell you something, doing right is the right thing to do. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus did. If we study this chapter, we'll find out that it opens in conflict. Jesus was antagonized by the Pharisees who criticized him. They criticized his disciples. They criticized his way. They criticized him and antagonized him. And they said, you have broken tradition. Boy, did that not stir him up. Because he did all things well. And he looks at the Pharisees and he says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. (laughs) You say, was that well? The Bible says it was. Was that the right thing to do? The Bible says it was. I mean, Jesus didn't just, when the Pharisees criticized him and antagonized him, he didn't write off and say, well, I'm the Prince of Peace. I'm supposed to throw rose petals and smoke dope and doobies and wear this and that. No. He faced down the opposition and he did what was right. Thank God for somebody who will do well in the midst of opposition. So Jesus escalates the conflict and he says, you know what you hypocrites? The reason you're a hypocrite is you're following tradition instead of the word of God. Boy, that'll make a hypocrite out of you real quick, friend. Stay in the book. He did well. And so following the tradition had made the Pharisees religiously rigid. They didn't even know the Son of God when he came to earth. They were so religious and so steeped in their tradition. Notice here that in this altercation that Jesus did all things well. The next thing he did in this chapter was to leave the borders of Israel. You see, in that day, now watch this carefully, the Pharisees and the the city and the nation of Israel had become so religiously rigid that they had built social silos, that they thought they had it all. They had the word of God. They had the temple. They had the worship. They had the sacrifice. They had it all. And they had become a social standard. Let me tell you something, folks. Religious rigidity will make you socially arrogant. And Jesus, in order to break those social silos, went outside of the borders of Israel, which was socially unacceptable in its day, and he healed a Syrophoenician woman's daughter, a woman who was not Israelite. She was not socially accepted, but Jesus went outside of the social standards and reached someone else. Let me tell you something. In the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are no social bounds. There are no color bounds. There are no ethnic bounds. There are no... Listen, the Lord God does not look on this world with national borders when it comes to salvation. Salvation is open to all people. Doing right has its own reward. Let me ask you a question. We all, most of us, and I'm going to say most of us fit this category, we operate in our own socioeconomic class, do we not? We sure do. And, and Christ goes outside of that to minister to someone else. Let me tell you something. Doing right and doing well goes outside your borders. 
goes outside of your socioeconomic class. Amen. Doing right is a reward in itself. Doing well is satisfying. Let's read the verses here and just see what is attached to this. The Bible says, beginning in verse number 31, And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came to the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis, and they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. Boy, that's socially unacceptable, is it not? Especially in today's time. Let's read that again. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven. And this is Christ holding his fingers in this guy's ear. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain, and he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, this is our verse, he hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Let me tell you something. These folks begin, even though Christ tried to keep this low key, they went and published it abroad. Did you know we met a man who's doing right? We met a man who's doing well. He's making the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Let me tell you something, friend. If you do right, this world will know it. You can try to keep it quiet. You can try to do it under the table. But if you've got a good ministry and you have a good rapport with people, it'll come out. Amen. It'll come out. And that's exactly what's going on with the Lord Jesus. Can I say to you this morning, in my life, as I have dealt with the Lord Jesus Christ, in my life, I can say that he hath done all things well. It looks like it's time for a diaper change. I can smell it from here. <laughs> In my life, he has done all things well. Somebody say amen. It's not the way I thought he ought to have done. It's not been the easy way that he's acted or allowed the things that I've went through. But I can tell you it's been well. I don't know why the Lord allowed my dad to pass away when I needed him the most at 15 years old. I don't know. I don't know why I worked 35 years in the belly of a power plant feeding my family. I don't know why the Lord blessed me with an old steep rocky farm that's busted me open to try to fence it and farm it and keep cattle. I don't know. But this I know, he's done all things well. And all of that, he used all of that to make me who I am today. Are you listening? All of those things, just going to be honest with you, have made me a pretty tough old bird. You see, the farmer was asked to pray. Maybe many of you saw this this week. The farmer was called on to pray, and when he prayed, he prayed, Lord... I don't like buttermilk. 
Then he prayed, Lord, I don't like lard. And then he prayed, Lord, I don't like raw flour. But Lord, when you blend it all together, I sure like hot biscuits. There's a good point there. Because there are things in your life that you're wondering why the Lord is allowing it to happen. And you don't necessarily like it. Amen. And there may be three, three or four things in your life as you look back over your life. Lord, why did you allow this to happen and that to happen? Why did I go through this? And, but God was doing all things well. He'll continue to do all things well. You can uh, trust him. He's keeping us humble. He's, getting, he's making us tough. There are no greater words that can be spoken of a person than to say, you know what? They just do things right. They do things well. They've done it to the best of their ability. I quoted this so often in my ministry. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. But I have left out the last part of the verse, and I'm going to read it to you. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Amen. One of these days, you and I are headed to the grave. I mean, they came out yesterday with this big uh, scientific discovery that said, is there a cure for aging? I got news for you. There is not. Amen. We're all headed to the grave. Here's the point. Don't go to the grave and say, I should have done this. Don't head to that final resting place and say, I should have done that. Don't be that person who says, I let this opportunity slip. Now, that doesn't mean doing things well doesn't mean we do them to perfection. Uh, we'll never be perfect. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's just get off that high horse because there's no perfection here. By the way, perfection in the Bible is maturity. God knows we'll never be perfect, but we can be mature. Somebody say amen. And so a mature person realizes that they're going to fail. And so doing well as we do well, we realize we're not perfect in what we do. Let me give you an example. When, I, when Lisa and I got married, uh, we were living in a mobile home, and I needed an outbuilding. Well, I had never built anything in my life, and, and I, was, I was no carpenter, and I built an outbuilding. Believe me, the first thing I built was not perfect. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'd go to work during the day, and I'd ask some of the carpenters I worked with, how do you do this? How do you frame a window? How do you put headers above a door? How do you do this? How do you square this? And they'd tell me, and I'd go home and do it. Well... Nobody was there, so I didn't, I didn't do it perfect, okay? And I still own that outbuilding, and I can walk in and then go, you know what, I, I sure messed a lot of things up here. But here's the point. About 10 years later, I built a house. And I can tell you that the skills that I learned by failing in the building and outbuilding, the skills that I learned really came in handy for building the house. Amen. I mean, it, it, turned out, it turned out pretty good. The trim and the squareness and the plumb. 
What are you saying, preacher? Do all things well at your skill level and God will increase it. Are y'all with me? Do things well. You say, well, I can't teach and I can't sing and I can't. Well, do things well at your skill level and God will bless it. Oh, my, I wish I could pour that into our heads. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all of thy might. Your building skill, your building talent, and God will use that for his glory. <laughs> I've got a banjo playing friend, and he's not, a, he's, not a great, he's not a great banjo player. But he says this. He says, I play just like Earl Scruggs. And I'm like, how can you play just like Earl Scruggs? He said, well, Earl played the best that he could, and I played the best that I can. I said, I think that's sermon material right there, amen. And so uh, doing right does not mean that, you know what, here's where a lot of people are. They're such perfectionists, they're so afraid of failure that they don't do anything. They're intimidated to try something new or to, because it, they're so afraid of failure. You know, let me tell you something. Failure is part of success. Amen. Doing right doesn't mean you're so rigid that you're, af you're afraid of failure. Failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is part of success. Let me say that again. Failure is not the opposite of success. It is part of success. Winston Churchill said this, success is not final. Sometimes we succeed at something and we think we've arrived. Amen. Success is not final. Failure, Winston Churchill said, is not fatal. It is the courage that continue to continue that counts. Keep going. When you succeed, humble yourself. Keep going. When you fail, humble yourself. Keep going. God will use it for his glory. Did you do your best and you failed? It's not the end. Did you do your best and succeed? That's not the end either. I have a biography of Robert E. Lee. And I'm a little kin to him, so I'm interested in, in some of the things he did. And so uh, Robert E. Lee, his teacher said of him, by the way, there has been no, he was, let me remind you of something, he was a losing general. If you study history, we have never celebrated losing generals. <laughs> if, they don't, if they're not successful, we don't celebrate them. But he's the most celebrated losing general in the world. And you know why? Because he just tried to do what he could, and he'd do it the right way. Whether he was fighting for the right philosophy or not, doesn't matter. He tried to do right. Are y'all with me? His teacher said of him that even when he wrote on the chalkboard that was going to be erased, that he did it to the best of his ability. Wow. So much attention to detail that whatever he did, he tried to do it right. Let me ask you a question. What stops us from doing well? What stops us from doing a good job? What stops us from doing right? Most of the time, it's time. 
Instead of tackling something, we tackle something and we expected to get it done in X amount of time and it's really taking a lot longer and then we start taking shortcuts and time really stops us from doing well. Let me remind you that our Lord lived a short 33 years on the face of planet earth and he only had three years of ministry. We're talking about a person or an entity that had eternity past and eternity future and it only took him three years to complete a ministry. I'd say in three years he did all things well. Amen. Something else that stops us from doing well is money. What stops us from doing a good job? What stops us from doing it right the first time? Doing it right the first time is cheaper than doing it over. Money stops us from doing it right the first time. Let me remind you about the Lord Jesus who didn't have any money. He, matter of fact, he was so broke that he had to send Peter down to fish at the lake to bring up a fish and the fish coughed up a coin to pay the temple tax. That's a person who's broke. Amen. Jesus Christ lived with a limited amount of time and a limited amount of money and he still did all things well. Man, I could shout on that one. Now, what, what a blessing that our Lord is our example. Titus 2.9 says this. Don't miss this. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. That means don't be obstinate or argumentative. And it goes on to say, but shewing all fidelity, not purloining. Big word. It means self-serving motives but shewing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. The Lord says, whatever you do, whoever's your master, whoever you're working for, whatever you're doing, do it without answering again, not being argumentative or obstinate. Don't do it with self-serving motives, but do it out of love and you'll find out that you're doing all things well. The motive of our heart makes us do all things well. On another example, the Lord Jesus had been teaching in the temple and the Pharisees were so inflamed against him because he spoke as one that had authority that the Pharisees sent officers to take the Lord Jesus. And when the officers are sent, they go, and when they come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is preaching in the temple, and he's preaching the great sermon in John chapter 7. The Bible says, in the last day of that great feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come to me. If any man and drink, if any man believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. What a message, what a sermon. What an idea. And the, these, these officers have been sent to take in Christ and they hear that great sermon and they go back without him. And when they get back without him, the Pharisees go, we sent you to take the Lord Jesus. And they said, never a man spake like this man. Wow. I'd say he hath done all things well. Somebody say amen. There's never been a voice like the Lord Jesus Christ. There's never been a message like the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A message of salvation. Never a man spake like this man. Never a man has acted like this man. This man is the God man. The perfect man. So let me tell you. 
when I was lost, I heard his voice. And that voice said, George, you're lost. You're headed to hell. You're on your way to the judgment and the condemnation of Almighty God. Can I tell you something? That sweet Jesus spoke well. He spoke right. There's never been a conviction like that. There's, listen, boy, I got under conviction. I knew that I'd done wrong. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was on my way to hell. Then I've done wrong in my life. And I can tell you, never a man spake like Jesus. Because when I do wrong, that conviction comes back. It begins to knock on my heart's door and say, George, you omitted something right here. George, you committed something right here. George, this part of your life is not right. Can I tell you, his voice is a voice that does well. Never a man spake like this man when I was under conviction. And I went down to an old-fashioned altar and I... I just got down on my knees and I cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ and that same Christ that convicted me was the same Christ who said in this sweet voice, you're forgiven. <laughs> Praise God, you're forgiven. Your sins are gone. I convicted you of doing wrong. You confessed your wrong and now I'm giving to you the salvation. Can I tell you something? He's done all things well. Praise God. He's done all things well. Amen. There's not another voice in this world like the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I'm down, he speaks comfort. When I'm discouraged, uh, he speaks encouragement and strength. When I'm depressed, he speaks words of joy. Oh, but listen, there's an opposite side of that. When I get built up with pride and think I've got the world by the horns, he says, calm down a little bit, George. Amen. His voice is a perfect voice that helps me to do right and well. Let me give you three quick ways, and I'll close the message. Three ways in which I can say he's done all things well. Number one, in creation. He's done all things well in creation. When he spoke to me, it was the same voice that spoke the world into existence. Wow. Think of that. The same voice that through the stars in the space. The same voice that said, let there be light. The same voice that said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. The same voice that spoke the stars, the sun, the moon, the planets, the trees, the grass, the streams. Uh, hey, I'm gonna tell you something. In creation, he's done all things well. <laughs> the Bible says that, with it, that all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, they were all created by him. And when he spoke them into existence, the Bible says that God looked down and the Bible says, and God, Genesis 1.31, saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. I'm going to tell you something. When I go out those doors and I breathe the air of, that God's created, I say it's good. When I walk by the Gross's Creek and I see the men are swimming and I feel the breeze against my face and the sun warm on the other side of my face I can tell you that he's done all things well praise God when I draw oxygen into my lungs and breathe out his air 
there. I say he's done all things well in creation. Praise God. Then he's done all things well in redemption. Not only in creation, but in redemption. When I look at the cross of Calvary, I don't say he failed, I say he did well. When I see the blood of the cross of Calvary, I say he did all things right. For the Bible says, uh, he hath given himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. I'm going to tell you why my sins are gone this morning. It's because Jesus Christ did all things well. Praise God. <laughs> he might redeem us. When he gave his back to the smiters, he did all things well. When he gave his cheeks to those who plucked out the hair, he did all things well. When he gave his side to be pierced and water and blood came out of his side, he did all things well. Praise God. When they pierced his hands and he stretched forth his hands and feet to those who would drive the nails, Jesus Christ did all things well. Praise God. Then the Bible says, wherefore, let me tell you something about this salvation. If God was going to allow his son to be treated so, nailed so, suffer so, he did right in salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews, wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost. Praise God. You know what the uttermost is? It means I can't lose my salvation. Somebody say amen. My salvation's not based on George, what George did or what George can't do. My salvation is based on the perfect blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was offered for me. Yes, sir. He's able to save me to the uttermost, from the guttermost to the uttermost. I'm heaven bound with a hammer down. Praise God. Wherefore, he's able to save them to the uttermost, all that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Let me tell you something about this redemption. He's perfect. He's done well in creation. He's done well in redemption. This redemption is not just for me. It's for everybody. I got a problem with those who believe in a limited atonement. Let me say that again so some of y'all study that. I got a problem with those who believe in a limited atonement. That Jesus Christ only died for the elect. Let me tell you who the elect is. It's the world, praise God. For God so loved the world. The Bible says that he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is not a man on the face of planet earth that has ever lived or ever will live that could look God in the face and say, you didn't die for me. He has done well. In creation, he's done well in redemption. And lastly, he's done well in application. <laughs> you say, what do you mean by the application? Well, let me tell you what he said about what he was going to do and what he was going to apply himself to do for us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Let me tell you something. The application that he made is that he is, listen, you think I can build a house, you ought to see the one Jesus is building. And he didn't have to practice on an outbuilding either. Amen. Hey, let me tell you something. Oh, listen. Go, I go, I'll come again. There is a place called heaven. I don't preach on heaven much, but it feels good when I do. 
There is a place called heaven. Amen. There is a place with streets of gold. There is a place with walls of jasper and gates of pearl. There is a place where Jesus Christ sits on the throne of God. Heaven is as real as this church is this morning. Thank God I'm going there. Hey, the Bible says there is a river, the streams of God, whereof they shall make glad the city of God. The Bible says that God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. I'm headed to a permanent residence. Hey, man, glory to God. And you talking about a place to live. Uh, over yonder I can see is the palace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's the throne. There's the temple. There's my family that's gone on before me. I'll no longer have to worry about stepping on a beer bottle. Amen. I'll not have to worry about stepping on a pop top. I'm telling you everything there is perfect. And you know why? Because he hath done all things well. Praise God. Yes, sir. The Bible says, list this carefully. And I saw the holy city of Jerusalem descending, coming down out of heaven from God, for he has made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Wow. He's done well in creation. He's done well in redemption, and he's done well in application. And one of these days, friend, when you step into the sunny banks of sweet deliverance, you will shout for victory and say, he hath done all things well. Everything that happened in my life back there on planet Earth was for the glory of God. God was either using me or waking me up to something. Everything that happened in my death was for the glory of God. And now I step here into heaven and I realize that he did all things well in creation, in redemption, and now the application is that I get to spend eternity with the one who loved me. What a blessing it's been to be here. What a blessing it's been to have a little hope injected into our life and some truth put there. I wonder this morning as she plays the tune, the great old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Would there be one here this morning and by your own admission, you're lost. You've never come to Jesus Christ. And somehow during this sermon you realize that the plan of salvation is what God wants for you. And you need to be saved. Would you come at this time? We wait with the Bible. We wait with open arms. We're on your side, friend. We want to see you get saved. Would there be one? Slip out of your seat. Say, preacher, it's time. I need to be saved. We wait for just a moment. And then Christian, while we wait, I want you to review a few things in your life. Oh, you can do it quickly. There can be a million things that flood your mind in a second. Review your life. And whatever's going on in your life, whatever's gone on and whatever's going on, give him glory. Say he's doing all things well. He's doing all things for my good. And his glory. We wait for just a moment. If you're lost, would you come? We're going to close the message. I don't give long invitations. 
And then if you need to ask questions, maybe you could stop us on the way out and say, Preacher, I need to talk with you. That'd be fine. I'll spend the day with you. Doesn't matter to me.